Hi, this is George Denholm. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5 by 2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. This week, we welcome Lisa Deaton to the 5 by 2 podcast as we discuss holiday worship services. So Lisa, thank you for taking the time to join us today. To get us started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your role here at St. Peter's? Well, I thank you both for inviting me over. You know, I'm a big fan of you guys, and so it's kind of cool to be on this side of the mic. My name again, Lisa Deaton. I am the volunteer and guest support specialist here at St. Peter's. If I tell you a little bit of history of mine, I am from Texas, so I'm another Texan taking over St. Peter's. I've been here since 1999. I've been employed at St. Peter's for eight years, started over in the school side, resource aid. I moved into finance, and now I think I'm kind of probably right in my mode because I love to talk and be with people. So now I'm in charge of volunteers through the worship team part of that team. I'm blessed to do that. I am married to Jim, who's my husband for 42 years. We have five kids, six grandkids. You know, life is good. I love Texas, brought the attitude with me, but I love the weather here in Indiana. (laughs) It's much nicer. So how long have you been in Indiana? 24 years. 24 years. Yeah. So half of your life. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, George. (laughs) So let's just clarify again. So your job here is, what's the official title again? Volunteer and Guest Support Specialist. And so your main focus is making sure our worship services run well? I would say that my main focus is to make sure that the team of people I've been blessed with, the volunteers, understand and give the light of Jesus to every single person who enters our campus for all our services so that when they come in, they don't feel like they're the man out. They don't feel unwelcome. They don't feel confused or scared. And that that touch might be enough to help them open them up to the word and what we're actually trying to do here at the church. So what all teams would that be? So I'm in charge of acolytes, which are the youngsters that are up in the front doing the candle lighting. I'm in charge of the projectionists, first aid, communion assistants, ushers, worship assistants, greeters. Um, I have a lot of youth now that are starting to dive into what the adults are doing. That's something I really like to initiate more. And of course, we're also in charge of all of the needs for Christmas Eve services and Easter services. You guys know how big of a production those are. So ultimately, if somebody is interested in helping with one of those, and we're going to get to a lot more of this later, they would talk to you and you'd get them connected to the one that fits them the best? Or do you let people try out different things and see where they want to be? Or how does that work? Well, one of the first things I try to do is I would like for the perfect volunteer to feel like they're in their niche. So if they're a Wednesday person who worships, then we want them to try to find a way of fitting in Wednesdays because I want them to be right where they're really the most comfortable, nothing new. But really, I sit down and talk with them. Sometimes it's a schedule issue. So maybe it's better for the to serve in one capacity because they need to be able to choose those dates for themselves versus some other needs that we have. We need to have them on a rotation. And so, you know, there's little variables like that. Some of it is, do I like to be really involved or do I like just to take a more quiet role and just maybe open doors and stuff? And so, yeah, I spend a little time with them. I make sure that they know that I can always serve beside them so that they're never feeling like they don't have everything they can do to make them successful. And I also want them to enjoy it because if they're not enjoying it, then it's going to reflect on, you know, the people that they're speaking to. Well, one way I know that you've tried to help people enjoy their experience is there's lots of candy sitting around now (laughs) for our volunteers. So if you're thinking about volunteer, there's candy bribes coming out. (laughs) 
I am known as the chocolate person at my desk and all the volunteer stations. Yes, I want them to feel loved. <laughs> well, candy and worship brings us to a kind of our topic for today. We want to talk about some of the things with holiday worship. Mm-hmm. But let's back up and, and to bring you into it. Tell us about some of your favorite holidays, uh, uh, you know, apart from the church things, but just you in your personal life. What holidays do you enjoy and why? My favorite is Thanksgiving. Absolutely my favorite. I think that it allows you to focus more on the purpose of what we're gathering for versus all of the extra fluff. And I think, unfortunately, we do that with Christmas, right? We, we spend a lot of time with all the extras, and we don't have enough time to focus on what's really there. And for Thanksgiving, it's just gather around food that, George, you and I love to do that kind of stuff. And you we know? are foodies. Yes, we are. <laughs> Definitely. And just get all the people together and it's so relaxed and, you know, it's just there's no rules. No, no rules. rules. I omitted one rule. Dustin leaned forward that many wanted to talk. So Dustin, what were you going to say earlier? <laughs> oh, it was just something when you talked about candy and worship segues us in. I was, I was wondering where you're going to go with that, how that, <laughs> how that was going to tie into what we're talking about today. But um, but no, that was all I was going to say there. But yeah, it, it, I, I like how you're talking about that. Not that anything like with Christmas, any of those things are bad, right? But they can just kind of become a distraction. Yes. And so I definitely get what you're saying there. Yes. I also love food, but I'm not a big, like the traditional, what you think of for Thanksgiving food. It's not for me. I'm just not, you know, I, I don't know, like the turkey. Turkey's okay, but like stuffing and all that, it just seems like it's all in the kind of same texture profile, I guess, if you will. And so for me, it's, yeah, I'm not a big traditional Thanksgiving food person. Well, a lot of the Thanksgiving foods are kind of that Midwestern kind a mild flavor. And I was going to say almost bland, but I don't mean bland. Right, but yes, right. it doesn't have as much punch. It doesn't have it. that yeah. Tex-Mex zip that uh, no. you're so famous for there, Lisa Deaton. <laughs> I do love that too. You know, with Thanksgiving, and by the time this podcast drops, we'll be past the Thanksgiving service. But St. Peter's only has one Thanksgiving service. Is that correct? Yes. It's on Wednesday evening. On Wednesday evening. Yeah, and we don't always have it. It all depends on how that calendar works. This is new with our new pastors and stuff. As far as I can remember, it for me, it seems like the first one. Maybe it's not. It's just... Uh, well, it's the first time it's matched up with our regular services. We've usually had a Thanksgiving have Eve we? service. Okay. Yeah. One of the reasons that we kind of switch from Thursday night to Wednesday night is because of there were so many of those Wednesdays that matched up, and it was tough then to have a Wednesday service, and then our pastors were coming back for a Thursday mm-hmm. service, which then leads us into the next holiday. But let's go back. So if you would take a second favorite holiday, Lisa, besides Thanksgiving. Oh, what? I'm all about the decorations. So I, be Christmas? Oh, I love or, Christmas. Or Halloween, because now my daughter is all about the Halloween decorations. Like at her house, there were thousands of bats everywhere. See, now when I had children at the house, we had decorations for it everything you know i mean it's the clovers for saint patrick's day and the whole bit now i don't have to do that (laughs) yay me uh and so for me it's i love christmas love christmas the family does not agree with christmas before thanksgiving so mama keeps the the brakes on but i mean that moment the tree is you know thanksgiving's over the tree is up i am ready to go now your home is a little bit farther out into the woods right yes do you do the lights on the outside or just decorate on the inside no just on the inside just on no the inside. one else would see me <laughs> dustin you guys put lights up on your house 
We don't typically know. Well, I mean, we'll do a Christmas tree inside with lights and stuff, but yeah, we're pretty simple. Like I don't, me personally, especially, I don't really like a lot of the, the extra stuff. Again, nothing wrong with it. It's just my personality is like, I don't really need the Christmas lights. It's okay. You know, having a tree in the, the corner or whatever is enough for me. So yeah. Jim's the same way. He's like, oh, it's that time again. <laughs> Well, I used to go more out with the lights, and we had all kinds of things that we did out on the pillars on the front porch and all that when the kids were there. But mm-hmm. it, it just seems to me like it's just more work. I guess the older I get, the crotchier I get, right? And so this year, I don't know if we're putting out lights. Rachel keeps prodding me, but it's like we've had some nice weekends, but now I didn't do it, so maybe no well, lights. You know, for me, especially since this is my first time to really work in worship ministry never done it before people who work at church it really is a difference i've never realized how different it is and to judge how much time i can spend and actually enjoying the meaning of the holiday i have to kind of like remove other things because right now we're living here it's amazing how much prep there is into making sure that everyone can really feel the love of christ through christmas and so yeah i don't have time for as much as i'd like (laughs) before we get into that let's back up a little bit because there's another thing i wanted to talk about so you talked about kind of the things you do at home when you think about the worship and this is not in terms of your working here but you enjoying the actual participation in worship as a worshiper this will be a little different year because you're going to be working around and running around but like what are some of the things about holiday worships that you personally enjoy as you're talking about nurturing your faith and praising our lord I have to tell you, the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm thinking about Christmas Eve, and I live for the 10 p.m. service. The darkness, I have every single year, I've been here 19 years worshiping, every single year I leave after the 10 p.m. service, or I think it used to be 11, right? It used to be 11 p.m., Yes. When you walk out the door, everything is this beautiful quiet, and you walk to your car, and it's just like it's just screaming, God. You know, and it's just the most beautiful thing. I love the 10 p.m. That's my favorite all year long service. And it's just kind of the environment that's there. Or yeah, it... there's just this reverence, but there's just this quiet joy in it. I like the quietness of the acoustic guitar. It's just, I don't know, it's just it's a different level of reverence than, you know, just normal, you know, like a traditional service and stuff. A lot of reverence there, right? right? But it's different. It's just... But, Silent night. But you like a lot of varieties of music. You're not just a traditional worshiper. Oh, sir, no, I'm the contemporary. I'm the one in the, with my hands up. Okay. <laughs> I'm <right>. the one. <laughs> but the different times, you want different moods. Yes, I do. All right. Yes, I do. You know, for me, I always think about Easter service when all those trumpets come out. And oh, you, yeah. And, and it just, it's like the super joyous. Sometimes I think Christmas time, sometimes we just get caught up into the beauty of what we're seeing rather than the message. But like when Easter, when all those trumpets are going and you're saying, he is risen, he is risen, risen indeed. indeed. It's just that celebration. There's something powerful for I me agree. in that. And Lindsay does such an awesome job to really bring in, like you really think you're hearing the angels singing from heaven. I mean, she just, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, it's appropriate clothes for appropriate festivities and the same with our worship, you know. Dustin, what about you? Where do you fit into that? Yeah, I'm much more a contemporary worship person. And so, yeah, for mine, I really, like you were talking about Easter Sunday and then in connection, obviously, with Good Friday, like how you you go from that reflection on Good Friday and obviously the somber and just that remembrance there, but then into the celebration on Easter Sunday is 
Easter's my favorite holiday, partly because then it's also the start of spring and, and warmer weather. Usually, it just depends here in Indiana <laughs> in the Midwest. You never know what you're going to get. Anything. Yeah. It could be snowing for all you know, but that reflection on Friday, remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, taking our place, and then that celebration on Sunday morning of him rising from the dead is just, yeah, that's just always a really cool reflection and celebration for me. I just always enjoy that. I feel like each year it's just that remembrance each and every time and just needing that. Definitely more of the contemporary. I appreciate, like you talked about the trumpets and everything. I definitely can appreciate that, but I'm more for the contemporary music for sure. Well, so. you know, and there's something really powerful on Good Friday when they slam that Bible. You know, I mean, to me, that has always gotten me. I leave crying every time. It's yeah. just something else, right? There's just those little things. Now, it becomes a little different for those of us that work here, that sometimes when we're here to worship, that we're thinking about all the things going on and making sure it runs. And so you might run into some of that issue this year, that at 10 o'clock service, you're thinking about, oh, we got to make sure the building's locked. Walk us through, what are some of the things that you need to do in getting ready for, let's say, a big service? We just went through with you on staff at Easter. You were here at Easter mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And uh, last Christmas. And last Christmas. Mm-hmm. So like when you were looking at those big worship events, you know, the, the regular ones, you kind of get into a pace. As long as you've got enough volunteers that are working there, it's not as big a stressor. But when it comes to those big events, we know there's going to be a ton more people in the building. We want everything to be great for those folks that this may be the first time they heard the message of Jesus, his birth or the message of his resurrection. So we want to make sure, like you said, when they come into that building, they experience the love of Christ. What all happens to get ready for a service like that? Well, we're preparing for a Christmas in July. You know, we're already thinking about it. The way I schedule volunteers even right now in November, right, I'm already scheduling for Easter. So we're always way ahead of the game thinking about this stuff. But for me, just to get prepped, we start with something as simple as do we have the sanctuary looking as beautiful as we can this weekend? We got that tree up. The most beautiful thing when our community comes into worship, they're going to love it. It's gorgeous. All the lights and what I call the bowl, everything just kind of screams get in a different mindset. It's time to think about something different. But it's also the stuff like I'm always scrambling to make sure I have enough volunteers because when we have an extraordinary amount of people, you need to be prepared for a lot of differences. New people coming in that are visiting with family they might not understand how to do a communion line so you have to be really sweet and understand making sure you have a lot of people stationed around the church so that they can just kind of be that hopeful hand ready I mean we have some wonderful people that are always on the railing you know to to take communion they're watching for the elderly who want to be there and can't get back up You know, it's just small little things, you know. I mean, one of the things I forgot last year is we needed a fire extinguisher around for all those candles. This year I'm prepared. You know, so you you catch different things as you go through it, you know, but I think the biggest thing for me is do I have enough people to serve the needs of everyone who doesn't know what to expect when they walk on the campus? Every child, every family. I mean, we could have a station of drinks, but sometimes they just feel awkward. Like, do I just walk up? Are we getting in a uniform? Like, you know, you just want to make them feel like, hey, you're home. Just jump in. That's so important because I think sometimes once you're in church for a long enough period of time, things you just kind of take for granted. Like, oh, everybody knows that. Like, no, not everybody knows that. Especially like you said to your point on more of the holiday mm-hmm. worship services is how do we help those people feel welcome and not feel out of place or like, oh, I have no idea what's going on. How can we make them feel as comfortable as possible? And I love what you're talking about, like having our people equipped and ready to say, hey, let me walk alongside you or exactly. show you where to go, where it's very clear 
clear where there's not this confusion. And I think it depends on the person too. Me, I'm somebody like, I want to know what I'm supposed to do. Some people are like, ah, you know, whatever, I'll figure it out as I go. So part, part of it does depend on personality, I think. But yeah, if I walk into a place and I have no idea, that can bring up a lot of anxiety and that's not what we want going on right we want them to be able to focus on you know the on message the, on god's exactly, word and yeah so exactly um, so that's a really, big deal for me if i'm anxious then i'm going to be too busy worrying about what's in here and then i'm going to miss that excuse expression the punchline that really was the whole point of me being here it could make the difference on everything i do stepping out of the building after that so everything that we can do to make sure that they're just focused on what's going on outside of themselves by feeling comfortable within themselves, you know. And I'm going to put a pitch in here. You don't have to be on the official team to help somebody out in worship. And so for those of us that are members, you know, even if I'm not on the greeter team, if I'm walking through the narthex and I see somebody that looks like they're confused, I can walk up and say, hey, how are you doing tonight? Can I help you out? Or somebody that's coming to the community rail is kind of confused. If we all are just kind of being aware of what's around us, we can just help in small ways to make somebody else's experience that much more worshipful. Yeah, John calls it his 30-30 rule. And, and it's exactly what you're talking about, George. If you see someone standing by themselves, it could be a member that just hasn't been back still from COVID. Maybe they moved and they're just back from college. We don't know just because we don't know who they are. They could be actually a member of St. Peter's, you know, but if they're staying by themselves for 30 seconds, walk over for 30 seconds, introduce yourself, maybe try to get a name and maybe search them out the next time you're in service. So you can just walk up even without the name and say, man, it's good to see you again. And even just that much and walking away makes them feel like, ah, I was noticed. You and, know, it makes a difference. And it's easier for some of us. Some of us are extroverts and it, we don't mind walking yeah. up. But Amen. It, <laughs> even even there, it, for those of you that are introverts, just walking up, you can just say, hey, I don't think I know you. And I always start with that. I don't think I know you. My name is George. And then they go, oh, you know me. And I go, well, you know, I am getting older. I can forget it. You know, or it's been a while. Can you refresh your name? You know, and so just a little effort. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. Oh, I've been a member here in my life. So you go, are you new here? That's the worst way to start. Oh, yeah. But if you put it on yourself, hey, I don't think I know you. I'm George. And then let them introduce themselves. Well, you don't know me because I'm new here. Or, no, I usually go to a different service. That's why you might not know me. Giving your name is huge. Oh, I think so. It, it opens up it to a more personal level. Right, it's right. not just a, hi, how are you? Yeah. But you always say, hi, how are you? As you're walking by. You really don't stop. I mean, we don't mean to. We don't stop and really hear, how are you? <laughs> you know, I mean, doing the name thing brings it to a more personal level. And there's also people that they've seen you before, but they've never had a name. Yeah. And it's just saying your name helps them. Or they've heard your name and forgotten it, which yeah. can also happen to people. Like you get that. It's got an official title, name aphasia, where you, uh, like you're trying to think of it and you can't think of it even though you know it. Well, and somebody's saying that's that. That's why, George, it. a lot of people are honey and dear with me. Uh, well, <laughs> You got to be careful with that. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we, we got to be careful who we call honey and dear, especially as guys. <laughs> Lisa, let's, you know, we've been talking about ways that the average worshiper can help out by greeting people. But let's think about some of the roles that you really need people to step up to. This isn't necessarily just supposed to be a pitch for service. But as we talk about the five by two, blessing others is one of our things. And worship is another one of our disciplines. So how can I bless others within a worship service? 
give us some of the places where people can volunteer. What's a good way to get started? What roles do you really need the most? Oh, George, thank you for opening the door. I want to begin by saying that to me, I understand with the busyness of our lives, we're all extremely busy, that sometimes it's just like, oh, just one more activity I need to serve. But it's amazing once you get into the, excuse the expression, the system, man, it feels good to be there to serve. It feels good because it's helping our pastors to give what they are being called to do. They're up in front of us. They're feeding us the word, but they can't run around and check out the lights, help people at the rails, make sure communion's ready. You know, there's so many things that they're responsible for, but they cannot humanly do. And that's what my team does. But I want people to understand that, you know, give it a chance if you really feel like you're led, don't turn that off. You know, give it a chance. Talk with me. Just serve with me a few times. Maybe even just during a Christmas or Easter service when we're really needing an abundance of people, try it out. You know, some of the things that we have is we already talked about greeters, but our ushers. Most people recognize the ushers as the people hand out the bulletins, but they are so much more because they're a greeter too, right? They're showing the love of Christ to the people. They help people to their seats, but they're also watching for the person in the pew who maybe isn't feeling good and is having a medical emergency or something, they're really there to just be like the eyes and help make sure everyone is really feeling 100% into the service, you know, by setting well, by feeling well, by feeling informed, by having all the information that they need. You know, ushers work as teams. We have people that will serve as families and the ushers, the people who pass the plates and stuff. Serving as a family is a great way to be part of St. Peter's. And then you only serve once a month, once every five or six weeks if we have enough volunteers. It's a wonderful way to serve. We also have a ladies group that likes to serve as a team. So if out there people that are listening are part of a D group or something, consider serving as a team that way. We could so use this kind of group coming in together and we form you into a place where you can serve. One of the most important things that we need, and I'm glad I'm having the opportunity to speak, is first aid on call. And those are the people that have a medical background, doctor, nurse, EMT, maybe some of the medical support through the fire department. If there is an important event happening medically in our church, to have someone that the ushers or worship assistants can go to to get that extra support just to keep the situation calm and everything being done correctly is vital, especially when the church is full during Christmas and Easter. And so I would ask if anybody out there listening is part of that medical field, is something as simple as just saying, hey, Lisa, I'd love to serve. And when you're in attendance, you just put your name on a piece of paper, let the worship assistant know you're there and where you're sitting. And then we just know for those few rare times we need someone, ah, I can go see Betty in the front row on the left. And it just makes a big difference. So if you're out there and you're part of that medical group, please reach out to me. You can ask Molly to hook you up for me and you can find me easy. We also have communion assistants. And of course, they're the ones at the rails helping the, the pastors serve communion. We have worship assistants and they kind of are the conductors of everything going on. They make sure that everyone's there. And if they're not, they help out, you know, the jack of all trades. But I would also like to leave you with a thought that youth, we need you too. You know, we are very passionate with the message and the vision of youth really growing strong within our congregation. And with that is also the responsibility to be in part of the work of the congregation. And so there's lots of ways we could use you. We have a projectionist need. We need you. And it seems kids love computers. So. 
<laughs> consider helping, you know. But Yeah, so a lot of it comes back to your time schedule, your abilities, and that's where talking to you would help people to figure out where they could fit in. But one of the things I just wanted to highlight is like if some of these jobs, you're just worshiping regularly until you're needed. So like the first day oh, yes. on call person, probably 90% of our worship services, you're just available, but you're fully participating. In. But when you are needed, then it's a great thing that you can then bless others with your ability and your knowledge. I would say the same thing like with ushers at the beginning of the service. I know there's some, they're always downstairs waiting for the people that are showing up a little bit late, but most of them, once their service has started, will sit down, you know, maybe with their family members who's sitting towards the back and they can engage in the worship service until the point where they serve again. No, I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of the needs, including like the communion system, you only serve when it's time to get up so that you enjoy the sermon. It's very vital to me that all our volunteers always have time to listen to the message. That's the most important thing. And so we try very hard to make sure that all of the aspects of serving during a service allows for you to hear the word. Because without that, I mean, why are we here? I'm going to make one pitch and I'm going to turn it over to Dustin and we'll let you finish up. There was a young man that told me that he's now involved in a couple different aspects of the worship, but he said, I've been worshiping for years and St. Peter's has been blessing me. God just told me I needed to bless others. And so that was his motivation. So again, if God's putting on your heart to volunteer, talk to Lisa. I'm going to make a pitch for the communion assistance. What a blessing it is for me whenever I'm able to give communion because there's just a joy and sharing that special gift from God. And so, again, uh, we've got some restrictions in our church, and we only use men, but that's a great thing. Guys, if you're looking for a place to serve, talk to Lisa. we got to wrap this up. Dustin, got the last few words for us? Yeah, just kind of off of that, something I heard you say earlier, Lisa, I think is extremely important, is that you will walk alongside people. You'll help yes. equip them. So if you're like, I just don't really know like how to do this, Lisa will gladly help you and, and train you and make sure you feel comfortable and know what you're doing. And the other thing is, as people are maybe looking for ways to get plugged in, obviously we have connect groups. You know, We had the earlier launch in August, September, and we'll be doing the same again next fall, summer fall. But serving is a great way to get plugged in as well and meet people. As you're talking about, there's teams. And as you start serving, then you start meeting other people because you're serving along with other people, but also the people that you're serving in a worship service. I just highly recommend that's a great way to get plugged in and start to meet people. And the other thing I want to say is when you do serve, Make it fun, like, you know, enjoyable. Lisa and I have talked about this with working together on a night of praise with the hospitality team and everything. And they just do an awesome job of just making it fun, making it enjoyable. Cause I feel like people feed off of that when they walk in and be like, oh, these people are like excited to see me and they're offering me some snacks and drinks in terms of night of praise, but just a smiling face saying hi you know the service has started and there's worship music going on like some of the volunteers are maybe out there dancing a little bit or having fun like things like that as people walk in it's like oh okay like they're having fun and i just feel like people feed off that energy so finding those ways to make it fun especially if you're a greeter or whatever yeah. you know whether it's holding doors or, or whatever just yeah, making it fun for everybody is, is an important thing so as we we're talking i just kept hearing different things we talked about basically meaningful conversations blessing others worship you know as always tying in the five by two i know we need to wrap up so i won't go much into that but those are the things i kind of heard throughout so george last thoughts last thoughts is for those of you that are listening to this i hope you had a great thanksgiving and we pray that you'll keep listening to us but if you don't have a very blessed christmas and remember that jesus is the reason awesome lisa thank you again for taking the time we thank greatly you. appreciate you, you having you on and to our listeners as always thank you for continuing to listen and we look forward to continuing these discussions on the five by two now go out and serve god and others